This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Everybody, welcome all our Torah Anytime viewers. Okay, so tonight we're learning to Okay, so today, there was a lot of thought that went, by the way, that doesn't mean anything, a lot of thought, um, because it could still be completely wrong. Uh, but there's a lot of thought that went into today's class and Hashem next week's class as well. What we're going to go through is something very interesting. So, when we first started the Mashiach series, I think it was like, you know, it was like about two years ago, we spoke about a, two classes called the End of Days. End of Times, End of Days, I don't recall the title. But it, we spoke about times, the things that happened during the end of, end of Days. We're going to be repeating some of that information, but in a completely different context. A completely different context. So, what we're going to do is, is something that a lot of what we're going to be saying today, and by we I mean I, <laughs> and uh, is is something that I've been working on, and this is a lot of it is my own. You, you call it pshat. Uh, um, I don't know how you say pshat in, in English. So like my my interpretation, my explanation, my understanding of some things. I, I tried to I tried to look for sources uh, for a lot of the things that I was saying. I had a very hard time, but I put a lot a lot of thought into this. And again, it could still be completely wrong. But let's we're going to go through a journey uh, today, a very very interesting journey. And the way that this is the class that's going to work like this: this if you're able to constant, the more you, this is a class that you could listen spacing in, spacing out, and you'll get it. Um, but the more that you concentrate and the more that you're with me, the more that you'll understand it of what I'm, what, what, where my point is and, and what I'm trying to say. We're going to be speaking about the nuances of words and the difference of words and the difference of, of, of what the Gemara, what the sages mean when it means the end of days, what it's referring to, when is it the end of days. So, one of the things that we're going to be uh, um, quoting on is, is going to be from, majority of the time we're going to be focusing on two different Gemarot. Uh, one of them is a Gemara in Sota, page 49b. Another one is a Gemara in Sanhedrin, page 97 and 98. Now, what's interesting, when you go and when you learn these Gemarot, and you try to compare them to see the, you know, like the differences between them, it's something very, very interesting. That the Gemarot both say what's going to be like in the end of days, like how do we know that it's going to be in the time of the end of days? They su- it, what it appears to be, if you do a quick read-through, it looks like they're saying the same things. But when you dig into it, the nuances, the, the, if you're reading it in English, this is the problem of reading things in English. Because if you're reading it in English, so it depends on the translator. How the person decided to translate, that's how you're going to do, you know, understand the product uh, or understand the words. But when you look at the Aramaic or the Hebrew words, it's very, very different. But very, very subtly different. And here's, here's the, the way that we're going to start is, is just by understanding the, the broad concept of what these two Gemara speak about. The Gemara in Sotah speaks about something known as the Ikvisa de Meshicha. Or Beria Ba'akavos Meshicha. The Ikvisa de Meshicha, the translation is, is the heels of Mashiach. Heels of Mashiach, heel is like the bottom of the foot. So heels of Mashiach mean at the end of days, just like the foot is at the end of the body, so too the end of of days, meaning right before Mashiach comes, this is what's going to happen. And the Gemara goes, and we'll go through all the details uh, on what the Gemara says is going to happen before Mashiach comes. However, there's something very different that the Gemara says in the in Mesachat Sanhedrin, in page 97 and 98. What did the Gemara say over there? It doesn't say the Ikvesat the Mashiach, it doesn't say the heels of Mashiach. It says, Dor Sheben David Ba, the generation when the Messiah comes. Now, when you're just reading it quickly, you're like, okay, fine, what's the difference? Yeah, when Mashiach comes. Like, no, no, there's a very big difference in the era of when Mashiach comes or in the generation 
when Mashiach comes. You understand the difference? Darisha ben David ba, the generation of when, the, the, which means it's very imminent. And then you have the itfas of the Mashiach, the time of Mashiach, the time that's leading up to Mashiach. There's even another one that goes even closer, that's Ein Ben David Ba. David is not coming. When it says David Ba or Ben David come, it's referring to the Mashiach. Because the Mashiach comes from the, from the, from the kingship of, of David Amalekh. So Ein Ben David Ba, the, the son of King David, is not going to come until... Dot, dot, dot. We'll see what it says. So there's different levels. When you're seeing something in the mind, so it looks like it's saying the same things, but it's not necessarily saying the same things. So, when we're going to be going through all these prophecies, what we have to understand is, first and foremost, why did the sages tell us this? What, what, what is the benefit of telling us the, what's going to happen before the end of the day? So Rabbi Leo Dessler goes and says that the purpose is that the things that we're going to be speaking about today, and this is really not my focus, this really was my focus more, if I remember my class correctly, I didn't listen to it, From my memory serves me correctly, two years ago, the focus was on, you know, what we can gain out from looking at the end of days. Here's going to be a little bit of a different focus. The focus is going to, is going to really be, how do we know that we're in the end of days? Now again, that shouldn't mean that you shouldn't utilize this for the focus of like, okay, now what should we do to get out of this? Like, so, so, so the way that Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Dessler goes and explains it is that the lost some function over here. I hope the camera is still recording. Uh, here we go. Oh, it's still recording. Okay, good. So the, um, what Rabbi Dessler says is that why did the sages tell this to us? Because these are the things that we need to work on in the end of days. This is sort of like a prescription. A prescription from the doctor known as Dr. Sages, Dr. Chachamim, and they tell us in the end of days, there's going to be things that are going to be happening. This is what you should be focusing on. So these things that we're going to be speaking about, even though I'm not going to be still telling us, oh, let's focus on this, this or maybe I'll spit it out here and there, but it is something you should bear in mind that this is something we need to, we need to focus on. However, the most important part of this introduction is the following, the Rambam, Maimonides, in Hilchot Melachim says like this in chapter in chapter 12 halakha bet uh, number 2 it says that all these matters of what we're speaking about in the end of days we don't know how it will be until it will be so a lot of these things is the way that like I said before, is the way that I'm going to explain it, the way that I'm going to interpret it, the way that you're going to explain it, you're going to interpret it. Again, we're saying what the sage just said, but then like, let's take it a step further. What does that mean? But ultimately speaking, we really don't know how it's going to be until it will be. Right? Okay, so that with, the, with that introduction, let's go and let's begin with, um, with some examples. Let's, let's begin with some examples. So, the Gemara and Sota. The Gemara and Sota is talking about the ikvits of the Mashiach, the, the footsteps of the, the general time frame of when Mashiach is coming. It says like this. It says that those who fear sin will be viewed with disgust. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to, sh- I'm going to shoot out a bunch of sources. Then we're going to explain each and every one source of these, you know, by itself. And then we're going to combine all the sources together. So this is the part where you have to like stick with me. Alright, so focus. So, that's Gemara and Sota. The Gemara and Sanhedrin says that the generation when, when, when Mashiach comes, are the, anybody who deviates from evil, who goes away from evil, is going to be insane. Do you notice the difference of what I just said? I said both the same things, but in different words. Number one, in Sotah, we said those who fear, who fear sin will be looked at with disgust. Another one says that anybody who deviates from evil, also similar terminology to, to, to someone who fears from sin, will be deemed insane. Insane and disgust, very different words. And again, we're using translation where we're trying to uh, make it as simple as possible. So you see over here the difference of what you're dealing with in, in one Gemara versus in another Gemara. Let's use another example. The Gemara and Sotah, the Mashiach. 
Let me make it very, very clear. Whenever I say Ikvasat the Mashiach, I mean the time frame of Mashiach. Whenever I say Dorsha ben David Ba, that is the time closer to Mashiach. And we're going to see this general, this general, um, movement that when we're dealing with Ikvasat the Mashiach, which is the, the footsteps, the era of Mashiach, that's going to be something that is going to be less severe I think that's a good word. Less severe than when we're dealing with the generation of Mashiach comes. So one is going to be more lighter, one is going to be more heavier, and you'll see it. For example, the example that we just used is people that will, you know, that are, that fear sin will be looked at as disgust, versus people that run away from evil will look like they're crazy. So you see the difference of like one is less and one is more. You following me so far? This is where I'm telling you, you're going to have to, you have to bear with me a little bit. Okay. The Gemara, the next example I'm going to give you is the Gemara and Sotah, that's uh, in page 49a, that says that, that in the Ikvas of the Mashiach, it's going to be that the, the wisdom of the Torah scholars is going to decay. As opposed to the Gemara in Sanhedrin, it's going to say that the Torah scholars are going to decrease. There's a difference. Decay and decrease. One is speaking about wisdom, one is speaking about specifically the, um, the, the, the Torah scholars. The Gemara Ksubot says that there's going to be, let me shoot out for you another, like, uh, about four more sources, and then let's start explaining each one. The Gemara Ksubot, page 112b, says that there's going to be the time of the generation of Mashiach is going to be the accusation against the Chachamim. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, page 98a, says that even Torah scholars won't enjoy, won't enjoy peace. And the Gemara in Sotah, says that the truth will vanish, and the Gemara Sanhedrin says that honor will dwindle. These are just some things. These are, by the way, anything, each and every single one of these, there's a whole lot to explain. We're going to deal very, very briefly on each and every single one, and then we're going to bind everything together. So bear with me. Let's start first with the, the, those who fear sin will be viewed with disgust. This is the Gemara and Sotah. This is referring to the Ikvas of the Mashiach, so the, the early era. Now, what does that mean? You look, you view it at, at discuss. So look at the generation now. That you know, we're we're in a world where there's a lot of peer pressure. That you may feel a little bit. I don't know if the word is bad, but you'll feel uncomfortable if, let's say, you have to pray, Shmona Esla, right? You have to stand on, you have to play the Amidah in an airport. Are you going to feel a little bit like, mm, you know, it's going to be looking? And then you see somebody, let's say in the far corner, let's say, or in the middle, putting on talit, tefillin, and he's sitting there and he's praying over there. So some people, I'm sure not anybody in this room, will look at that and be like, come on. This is, you know, we're talking about the year 2000 and blah, 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 wherever you're listening to the class, right? It's, two, you know, you're, we're, we're talking about an advanced age. You're sitting over here, you're praying, go in the corner, go in the side. It's going to be looked at in a very, very, like, low, there's a lot of peer pressure, and we, we tend to look at things like, oh, in a little bit of disgust. I'm talking about the general population. Obviously, the more religious people are like, oh, Baruch Hashem, look at that, it's unbelievable. He's sitting in the middle of the plane and he's going and he's putting on tefillin. You know, there was a story that somebody was putting on tefillin and they thought it was a bomb threat. Because I don't, I, I don't know where they were that they never saw somebody put on tefillin. Um, but it was somewhere in America. It was like, a, you know, somewhere in mid-USA um, where the real Americans live. And they eat the real steaks, and they smoke the real cigarettes and cigars, and uh, the real white, oh, no, not white, white supremacists, whatever it is, you know, like the, the you know the real Americans. So they, you know, but, but, the, but there's a lot of peer pressure. We we tend to view things that the more righteous, a little bit of like, okay, why are you being so fanatic? Why are you being, you know, it's a little bit, you know, too much. You have people that go to a corporate uh, party, 
and uh, the corporate party, they don't realize that God is also in the corporate party. And they usually check the tznut with the coat check. It usually goes together with there. But the coat comes off and the tznut comes off and I'll pick it up later and maybe I'll give you a tip. And maybe I'll tip God also for a little charity or things like that. There's a little bit of peer pressure that we tend to look at the religious observance as a little bit of like, uh, a little bit in a, in a, in a disgust. That's the Gemara in Sotah, which is talking about the time be, before the Mashiach comes. So let's look at the time, now, the generation of when Mashiach is coming. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, that says, it, it says that whoever deviates from evil is called insane by the people. They consider that insane. Now let's speak a little bit about the difference between disgust and insane. So disgust means like, you go and um, somebody's doing something, and you're like, oh, mm, yeah. Uh, not to my taste. I would not. Uh, I would not do that. Well, come on. Why do you do that? But you keep it to yourself. You know that's that's disgust. What's insane? Insane is like you're doing that. Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? How could you even think about doing that? There's a there's a huge difference of what's going on over here. So we see over here that the the disgust towards the 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 Torah outlook is going to go and it's going to increase instead of going and becoming better. It's going to go from from something that is disgust to something that is insane. That it is that it is crazy. This would lead us to the next thing, which Gaman Sotah says, that the wisdom of the Torah scholars will, will decay, will spoil. It's tisrach. Tisrach is like, whoever speaks Hebrew, tisrach is like smelling, is like spoiled, something that's, that's, uh, that went bad. Now, Torah scholarship, what, what it means is that it's first and foremost, it's not going to be respected. It's going to be degraded. And the other interesting thing to look at it is sofrim. Why does it say chachmat sofrim? Sofrim in, in Hebrew means those that count. What is Chachmat Sofrim? Why does it mean referring to those against? I saw a very interesting explanation by Rabbi Ezreal Tabor that says that the, the, he goes and he, and he quotes the, 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 the sages who tell us that Torah scholars are called Sofrim. Why? Because they count the letters of the Torah. What do you mean they count the letters of the Torah? So he says something very interesting. Now, recently, we have something that is known as Torah codes. Whoever's not familiar with Torah codes, Torah codes is where you have codes that are hidden in the Torah that tell you things about the future that there's no way it would have been able to, uh, you know, to to, to know unless it was made by God. So, what only came out recently due to the computer technology is we see these codes and how sophisticated and how it's impossible for anybody other than a God creator to be able to put these codes in the Torah. So now, usually, you see something like this, you'd be like, okay, that must be that there is the Torah is real. This is no. That Chachmat Sofrim Tisrak, even this, the, even where the sages count, even nowadays, you can have people that even though it's gonna be not logical, they're gonna claim, no, it's still man-made. Somehow they're gonna claim that even though it's something that's impossible to be man-made, and again, I don't wanna get too much into this, like we spoke about it in the Divinity series, about the whole concept of Torah codes, and, and if you wanna go, you can review that one to understand the whole concept of Torah codes, but it's very, very simply obvious and straightforward that it is impossible that the Torah was created by anything else other than God. But even this will be spoiled in the time of Mashiach. Because in the time of Mashiach, people are going to be like, they're going to make excuses for that. Even though it's not logical. But even more so, what it means is that the Torah scholars will decay, will spoil, that even though we have the, the, the Torah that we have nowadays, the yeshivas are booming. They're packed. The seminaries are packed. But there's a difference. The qual- even though the quantity is very high, the quality is very, very different. In the olden days, in the, in the previous generation, you had, you know, from the poor to the wealthiest, They'll be in the synagogue learning from, let's say, 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. That's when they'll be learning and praying. Then they go to work from 10 to 4, and then they'll go back into the Bet Midrash from 4 to 10. 
That's what a working person was known at in the olden days. Nowadays, that person is known as the Gadol Hadol. That is like the, the highest of the high. You're talking about learning eight hours a day? That's unbelievable. That's crazy. That's like Kolo and working. Where do you get the time? How does he catch up on all his movies and TV shows? Where does he do it? How does he know what's going on in Hollywood? How could he live? How could he survive in a conversation in, in, you know, in our century without knowing all these things? We think about it very, so the, the quantity, even though it increased, the quality was very different. The quality was a little bit spoiled from what we used to have. The Rishonim, the Gemara, the, the, the Gemara in uh, Sotam, in page uh, 21, speaks about it. The Torah brings it down that the sages in the, in the Rishonim, even the sages, well, how did they, when they would learn to learn, they didn't eat, they did not, at the level that they learned, they did not walk four hamot, they did not walk six to eight feet without thinking of Torah. Nowadays, you think of someone as a Tamil Chacham that's learning two hours a day. Oh, 32 hours a day, unbelievable. You know, you're probably a rabbi, you probably could go and guide the entire nation. Back then, if you did it, you know what it means to not walk six to eight feet without thinking of Torah? It means you're always thinking of Torah. There's nothing else, there's no thing, such a thing as spacing out. Like, what do you mean spacing out? You're thinking about Torah the entire time. There's a, so, while we see the Torah, Baruch Hashem, the quantity-wise, it's very out there. The quality is very different. And that's what the, the Gemara is referring to, one interpretation, that it's going to spoil. The The... the the flavor of the Torah is going to spoil a little bit. The the wisdom of the sages is going to spoil a little bit. Not the flavor, chas The there's another interesting you know concept in this, and this is where this is my own chidush on this. Is the Zohar tells us the Kunah Zohar tells us that during the end of days, right before Mashiach Sham, the Erev Rav will rule. The Erev Rav is I can't even begin to explain Erev Rav. Just look at one of the other classes I gave in Mashiach about Erev Rav. A lot to speak about Erev Rav. The Erev Rav will rule. The Vilna Goen says that they will become the leaders of the nation. They will become the leaders of the nation. The Debre Chaim goes and says before the arrival of Mashiach, the Erev Rav, there will be rabbis from the Erev Rav. A very, very twisted ideology and not according to the Torah, according to their own things. And they're going to go and, and says the Debre Chaim, even though the Israel themselves are holy, but the Erev Rav, the leaders, they're going to work only for their own benefit. They're gonna, they don't care about the public. They want to rule over the public. They're doing things either for money, for honor, for different other not lishma, not lishma things. The this is this is what we could say maybe is this is what it means that the Torah scholars, the wisdom of the Torah scholars, will be decayed because it's going to be misused by people that are misusing them. Also known as the Erev Rav. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, page 98a, says that the Dor Sheben David Ba, the generation, they will not have any peace. What does it mean to have peace? There's a lot to say what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it very, very briefly. And you could utilize this for your own benefit, depending on how much you know about the politics. Uh, so I'm not going to go into it. But the Gemara says, and this is something that the Mahashat goes and explains this in the Gemara, that it used to be the Torah scholars used to go and come in peace. What does that mean? Regarding Talmudic debates. Torah scholars will, will, will go and they will debate people, debate each other peacefully. But in the time of Mashiach, they will not enjoy the peace between themselves and regarding these debates. Why? Because they will be overcome with the evil inclination. That is a very, very heavy statement that I just said. I'm not going to go into it uh, for reasons that I decided very obviously not to, but there's a lot to speak about about that. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, page 97a, goes and says that in the generation, when, the, the, when, when Mashiach is coming, there's going to be a decrease in the Torah scholars. Now we started off by saying that what? That there's going to be a decay in the wisdom of Torah scholars. What about, what is a decrease in the, in the, in the Torah scholars? So when you look at, let's say a, a, a carcass, and I'm not, you know, like a, a dead animal. First it starts decaying, then it starts disappearing. So there, there's a, you know, like, you know, obviously it goes into its own, you know, with the flies and the fleas and all the other vultures and whatnot. They eventually go and they disappear. Step one, 
The Gemara Sotah says that what? That first is going to be a decay in the wisdom. But then what's going to happen? Then they're going to, then in the generation, the Dosha Ben David Ba, the generation, then it's going to start disappearing. The, Ian Yaakov goes and explains that they will die beforehand. The sages will die beforehand, so they will not have to endure the hardships during the, 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 the coming of Mashiach. So we see over here a very, very common thread. That in the beginning, it's going to be light. But then the same things are going to go heavier. I don't, there is so much that, that I just said that I wish, I, w- I see a lot of things did not, you know, like in the nicest way possible. Um, that if you realize of the, you have to be very, very careful to the words that I'm saying, to the, to the nuances in the words. Listen to the following thing. So, in the generation of, of, it's a heavy class, but a light class at the same time. You see what I'm saying? That you could listen to everything and be like, yeah, well, the sages are dying off. And like, yeah, yeah, the sages, wisdom are the king, they're off. But if you understand how to connect it, oh, then you're going on a different level. Then we're going on a different level. The Gemara Sanhedrin, the, the page 97a, says that the generation when Bed David comes, that the Galil and the Gavlan will be desolate, will be destroyed. Now, what does this mean by that? Let's hold, let's hold the question. The, the, what does that mean by that? Write it down. We'll do, we'll do it afterwards. I want to, I want to be able to like focus through this. The um, Torah scholars, they reside in these places. This means that the places that would be cultivated by Torah scholarship is going to remain desolate. And the Yad Ramah goes and explains this, and this is also referring to what? The parchment paper. The parchment paper that the Torah is written on, this is also going to be neglected. Why? Because there is going to be a decrease in Torah scholars. There's going to be a decrease in Torah scholars. And the Gemara goes on and quotes like this. Great people who protect the borders, they will go themselves from city to city and will not find favor. This means that what it's referring to, he's referring to the righteous people. Righteous people, not talking about physical borders, they're talking about spiritual borders. The righteous people which guide the spiritual borders. You can have the righteous people, the Talmidei Chachamim, the sages of the generation. They're going to go from city to city. And what are they going to do? They're going to ask for charity. Unfortunately, that's what they have to do. We have a yeshiva. We want to give money for the poor people. There's orphans in Egemar. And they go. But what is going to happen to them? No one's going to respect them. No one, they're not going to find favor in their eyes. No one's going to respect them and say, ah, okay, fine, here's $5 and go and leave me. Stop calling me. Stop bothering me. Instead of us running after the sages, the sages have to come to us and we won't even respect them. That's unfortunate. This is what the Gemara goes on in the Gemara Sanhedrin, page 97a, says that honor would, would dwindle. The, the, the honor will go down. What does the Yad Ramah goes and explain? That those that need to be honored or should be honored, they're going to be abused instead. I don't, need, I don't even have to begin to explain this. This is very, very self-explanatory. That nowadays we see this. The people that really should be honored, instead of being honored, they're getting abused, they're getting ridiculed, they're getting put into the papers for whatever odd for sake, God-forsaken reason that there is, all for the negative, uh, you know, for the negative aspect of it. The Gemara and Ketubot. Page 112b goes and says there's going to be accusations against the Chachamim. This we see, there's a decree always against the sages. A decree, first of all, there's a decree against anybody who has a beard. I know that, right? It's very, very interesting. Unfortunately for the, you know, fortunately, I don't know, for the Muslims as well, you know, you got a beard, imam, whatever, you know, who knows what it is. You know, there's something against the beard. You have all of a sudden a guy, religious guy, has a kippah, goes and he uh, gets arrested. What do the papers say? A rabbi gets arrested. The guy doesn't even put on tefillin, but he has a small kippah, but he has a beard rabbi. Of course it's rabbis that go there. The second they, they're able to pinpoint, why do they do that? Maybe they want to attract more attention. They want to say, oh, this is a rabbi. Who, got it. who knows here? Is he a rabbi? Is he a real rabbi? What are you talking about? That all of a sudden you're putting over there. What are these goods? In the end of the day, there's going to be accusation against the hachamim. Whether it's true, whether it's false, there's going to be accusations. But this leads us to one step closer to where the redemption is going to come. The Gemara Sanhedrin, page 98, says that if you see a generation whose wisdom and Torah study is, Torah study is steadily diminishing, it's going, it's going down, 
Then chakelo, then wait for the Mashiach to come. Wait for the Mashiach to come. It's coming right there. The Gemara also in Sotah says that the truth will vanish. This, I cannot even, this is so obvious. The truth, people are not interested in the truth now. People do not care about the truth. The, the Rabbi, Rabbi Dessler writes and says that we're going to be living in the end of days in a superficial generation. Um, what is a generation called now? There's a millennia, what is it? Generation X? Generation Z? We're in Generation Z now? What, if we're Z, then what happens next? We have to start from A? Huh? Exclamation point. Yeah. So, so the millennials are the older generations. But, uh, um, the, you have over here, if you want to say Generation Z and no offense, well, offense, I couldn't care less. Um, uh, to the generation, like if you want to say something superficial, yeah, that is superficial. I could go on to go and explain this in such detail, but I am not not because I don't have time, because I, we could we could go and delve a lot about this, about the superficiality of this current generation of where we are, but because of the vulgar profanity that will need to be go to explain how how we are so superficial in this generation, to the extent of what's going on in elementary schools. Let's start off with the public schools, elementary schools, and what really goes on, and how the children react, and what they watch when they go on their iPhones, and how they behave, and how they present their own bodies based on how they watch. There is a lot of superficiality that's going on over here that should be very, very obvious. And the generation of Mashiach comes, there's going to be a lot of superficiality. People are not going to be searching for the truth. No one cares about what's inside a person anymore. You go on a date with somebody. It's not about what's inside. If you're, you are looking for what's inside, then Chazakuba Ochlin is amazing. And may you be blessed in finding the right one. Even if you don't look at it, you should be blessed in finding the right one. But nowadays, it's so much more of what's superficial is more important than what's actually important that's not important. You understand what I'm saying? So people go on a date, they'll go, okay, listen, am I number one? Let's say, I'll say attraction or how much money, which is very important depending on who you are. But they put that in more importance than what's inside that person. So that person could be the most disgusting, mannered, character trait, deficient person alive. But if they got the looks and the money, then all of a sudden, instead of being a negative 15 in the date scale, they're a 10. Be like, where did that, how did that happen? And it's because we are looking at the superficial, uh, you know, superficiality in our, in our generation. That's what's going to happen. So let's try. What I just did right now is I just blurted out a bunch of different sources. We explained a little bit about it. Let's plug them all in together. Bear with me on this. So we start off with saying that in the days, in the ikvas of the Mashiach, those who fear sin will be disgusted. That will what? When someone fears sin and that will be disgusted, we'll see how everything is interrelated, interconnected to everything else. Someone will start off with fear being disgusted. Someone who fears sin, that's disgusted. That's going to, what's going to affect? That'll affect the Torah scholars. The Torah scholars will go and they will base off their leadership based off on how people perceive them. If somebody perceives them as, oh, this is coming, this is old-fashioned, so the, the obviously the Elifah we're referring to over here, the not true Torah scholars, they're going to use it, they're, they're going to use it in a deficient way. This is what the Gemara in Sotah says, that the, the Torah scholars, the wisdom of the Torah scholars is, is going to decay. There's going to be something that doesn't smell right. First started off with what? First started off with the sin being discussed. That's going to lead to the Torah scholars you know, going in a place that mm, doesn't just smell right. Something is decaying over here. Something is wrong over here. Well, because people are, let's say, are going to be a generation where they can't hear a rebuke. So Torah scholars, or at least the people that are pretending to be those, are not going to rebuke them. They're not going to do what their job is, and they're, which is leading the generation. Instead, they're going to be what? Like the Gemara Sotah says, that the leaders of the generation are going to be like a dog. What does it say leaders of the generation are going to be like a dog? 
Rabbi Salah goes and explains like this. Says, Sometimes you see a dog, uh, you know, someone walking with a, a leash with a dog. And the dog is in the front. So it looks like the dog is leading the owner. But really, what happens when the dog gets to the corner? It sits in the corner, if it's a, not a wild dog, and looks, waits for its master, be like, hey, where are we going now? What are we doing? Right? Unless there's a hydrant, and then they're going to hang around the hydrant and do whatever they need to sniff. But they are going to go, and they're going to continue to, to wait for their leader and see what it is. So that's how it's going to be in the generation of, of Mashiach. The leaders are going to be like a dog. What does that mean to be like a dog? It's going to look like they're leading. It's going to look, look at the modern synagogues. It looks like you have a rabbi, and the rabbi is leading. But what happened? The rabbi is going to lead. He's going to say something. Then he's going to look at the president, the vice president, and the secretary of treasury. Who knows where they have a whole list of people that just run the place. I don't know why you even have a rabbi there. Right? They have to look at an entire board and be like, did I do well? I didn't do well? No Shabbos. No. No, yeah, no kosher. No, and they're going to look as if they're leading, but really, they're not leading it. The people that are holding the leash are leading it. The leader is going to be like the dog, because they're going to be appeared. But then, when the second they make a ruling, they're going to look back and see if their congregation, if the board approves with what they said or disapproves with what they said. And that's how it's going to happen. So you're going to see over here, there's going to be a, something that's going to be decaying. Something that's going to be smelling over here. So what's going to happen? First, going to be sin, the sin is going to be disgusted. That's going to be the leaders who choose... Obviously, bad leaders, the fake leaders, and they're going to be the one. The really the people are running is the people on the back of the, of the, of the you know the, of the of the shul. The board is going to be running it. That's going to lead to the decay of the Torah scholars, which would lead to the concept of the, there's going to be pnei kelev. The pnei adults going to be pnei kelev. The generation is going to be like the face of a dog, which what? Which is going to lead to the disappearance of the real. What the Gemara Sanhedrin, page 97a, goes and says it's going to be the dis- the, the scholars are going to be decreased. Talmidecha chamim ismatim. They're going to be decreased. First is the decay. And then they're going to start uh, decreasing. They're going to start disappearing. And unfortunately, once they start disappearing, the few that you have left are going to be going around collecting from city to city, but they're not going to have any honor. No, no one's going to honor them. Why? Because we know the Gemara suddenly clean. Page 97a says that the honor will, will decrease as well. Once you have the honor decrease, once you have the sages going, and no one's going to be around them, what are they going to do to the remainder of them? You think they would honor them? Absolutely not. There's going to be accusations against the Chachamim. There's going to be accusations against them. So how do we work on this? Instead of going and, 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 just going with the flow. You have to go and fight against it. You have to go and you have to follow the Torah. Not only you have to follow the Torah, you have to honor the sages. Not only you have to honor the sages, instead of waiting them to come to you, you come to them. Hey, can I give you something? Can I, I know you're working on building a yeshiva. I know you're working on building the poor. I want to do that. Instead of, it should be going the other way. And this is what we, we, the way that we need to go through. What is the foundation of all? Because we're lacking truth. We have a superficiality. When we get out of our superficiality, then we can reverse the entire system. And these are the things that we need to work on during the time of when Mashiach comes. So far, so good? That was part A. Let's go to part B. Yeah, was that clear? Just nod, because I'm not going to repeat it anyways. Did I drink it? I didn't. 30 minutes, and I didn't take a drink. I probably wouldn't have, I didn't even see it. You know how sometimes you see something, you're like, I'm thirsty. Nah. Okay, but thank you whoever put it over here. Okay, so now, the, let's look at it. That, that, what we just spoke about right now, it's a shame, because I really went through it Fairly quickly, I could have gone through it a lot slower, but we spoke about a lot about like the Torah scholars, the sages, what the, the, the concept in the relation to, let's say, the, the, the viewpoint of the sages, the Chachamim. Now, now I want to go through something called Chutzpah. Chutzpah, I don't even think we have to translate anymore. I think it went into the Webster's Dictionary, right? Chutzpah is already in there, right? What does Chutzpah mean then, Miriam Webster's Dictionary? It's not Miriam, it's, it's Audacity. Yeah. Audacity, so they, okay, they, they got it right. What? What's there? Zealous, I would think that. I don't know. So, there's what? 
There's a dictionary in everyone's phone also. We didn't need to look. So the, let's go through some sources and let's, let's branch us off the same thing. That Audacity. Okay, that's a word. Audacity. So shameless. Ooh, that's a good word. I like that word. We're going to use that. Okay. Shameless. Okay. I'm going to go through quickly six sources, and then we're going to break it up, explain it, and then combine it again. Now that you missed possibly, maybe, hopefully not, the first part, now that you know the method, now try to bear in mind this. This is the reason why I specifically we started with that, and we're going to go to this one as well. Uh, this one next. The Gemara Sata says that in the time that precedes the ikfas of the Mashiach, the first time, that's going to be, there is going to be chutzpah yasgeh. There is going to be the insolence, the chutzpah, the shamelessness, the audacity is going to be increased. The Gemara Sota also says that the youth will embarrass the elders and the elders will stand before the youth. The Gemara Sota, source number three, the Gemara Sota also says that the son is not going to be embarrassed by his father. Um, source number four, the Gemara Sanhedrin, page 97, it says that the, in, that Dosha ben David Ba, the generation, right, we're going close, 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 a step closer. Ha'azut ta'ber, the, the audacity that here it's different to the, like, it's the, the arrogance, the boldness. This is different than chutzpah. The arrogance, the boldness will increase. The source number five, the Sanilim, page 97a, is also like we used before. Honor will go down. They have a hayoka yavet. And then we say source number six, in ben David ba'at she'yichalu, until they, the people that are arrogant will be destroyed, will cease to exist. There's a lot going on of what I just said. So let's try to break this down and, and stick with me. Let's start off with the Gemara Sotah. The Gemara Sotah says in 49b that chutzpah chutz, will increase. And then the Gemara says that not chutzpah, the Gemara Sanhedrin says, so first, there's going to be an increase in chutzpah. Then, really closer to the generation, Dolce Ben David Ba says that arrogance, boldness, insolence will, will increase, will increase. What's the difference between these two things? So let's first start with chutzpah. Chutzpah, shamelessness, is you have, let's say, somebody in politics. So the way that works in politics is that and let's not be broad. Let's not generalize. So let's just use this as an example. If you're a good liar, the better liar you are, the better politician that you are. Again, just an example. Nothing against politicians. The, how do politicians, some politicians, maybe one politician, I don't know, whatever, okay, um, go, they, the more that they will go, they're always excited. The more, the more that, like we know that they'll go, right, so, you know, the elections are coming up soon, right? So you're going to have a bunch of presidential, you know, candidates that are going to go up there and be like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But you know it's not going to happen. You know it's not going to happen. Just look at history, right? You know it's not going to happen. They're just saying things. I mean, maybe they'll try. Maybe it's out of the control. I'm not saying it's their fault. But they'll say things. You know that they're... And some of things is a complete lie. Because what? They'll say one thing to one crowd and a slightly different thing to another crowd. It depends. I love the Jews. I love the Christians. I love the Muslims. The Muslims are the greatest. What? The Israel? Israel is great. Israel is terrible. What's Israel? It's Palestine. You know, so it's like all depends on who you're talking to. You have over there the chutzpah. The more audacity that you have, the greater that you are. The greater that you are, chutzpah yasgeh, the, the arrogance, is, the, the audacity, the chutzpah is going to go out. Because the more, the more that you are chutzpahik, the more that you are, uh, you know, audaciousness, is that a right, weird, right word? The more that you are shameless, I don't know, the audacious, something-ish, audacious, boldness, any other chutzpahik, the more chutzpahik that you are, there we go, the more chutzpahik that you are, the more... Ah, oh, it's a higher level. Look at this. Even if you look in the, in the previous presidential election, 
the more that you are able to bash the other person and be like, oh, he got you. Yeah, he got you. You know, how low does somebody have to be? This is not a yo mama joke, uh, you know, type of thing. But that's what it looked like. It looked like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to put you in prison. Oh, yeah, well, all you are is you wear red, whatever it is. Uh, it doesn't, you know, like, people are going back and forth, but this is what politicians represent. Because the greater that you are is the more chutzpah that you have. And businesses as well. You have business, a business person, a salesperson, somebody walks into a clothing store. How do they try to sell you nowadays? Oh, my God, you need a new wardrobe. You look homeless. And if they get somebody, they make you feel like two cents. And then they'll go and they'll be like, okay, now you need to buy something. And you made the sale. Ah! I made the sale. That's the more chutzpahdik that you are, the more, the more chutzpahdik that you are. I was not to use any because I can't. Um, it, the, the greater that you are. The greater that you are, the more chutzpahdik that you have. What is the relation? Now we said chutzpah is going to be in the beginning. But then when you get closer, it's going to be a little bit more. It's going to be arrogance. What's the relation? Chutzpah to arrogance. So, we know that that uh, somebody who is, who is bold, someone who is chutzpahdik, this is somebody who has, there's a lot of self-centeredness that is related, you know, on this. And in fact, they're really very closely related because self-centered, the reason why you could be chutzpahdik is because you're very self-centered. The reason why you're self-centered is because you're very arrogant. But let's see how, let's see what the difference is. So let's say, Mr. A goes over to Mr. B, and he goes and he just says something very chutzpahdik to him. He says, you know, uh, what are you really worth? You're a piece of garbage. You know, basically just bashing the other person. Oh, the chutzpah that this guy has. How dare you go and bash somebody else? That's very different. But let's, let's change it up a little bit, and let's switch it to arrogance. What's the difference with arrogance? So A, instead of A telling B, what are you worth? A tells B, you know what I am worth? You know who I am? You're messing with me? Oh, that's a big difference. The chutzpah now is not only projecting, it's also now about me. It's all about my arrogance in it. It's taking it one step further, saying beforehand there's some people that are chutzpahdik, but they don't say how great they are because they know they're really not that great. So they'll say, oh, you know, you're so bad. But really when you have the higher level, close to the Mashiach, I'll be like, you're so bad. Forget- do you know who I am? Do you know what I do? I-. So what we see over here is the chutzpah is not only going to increase in the quantity but it's also going to increase in the quality. And by mean increase, I mean decrease. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be worse, not better, uh, you know, in it. Now, you, you know, in, let's call them the liberals. Yeah. Um, a Democratic Party, is that? Uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's use that. So they fight for everybody's rights. They're like, oh, the right of this, the right of that. Like, well, demanding rights. When somebody goes and demands rights, it tells something about them. You could either, your life could either be a focus of self, demanding rights is self-centered. It's all, this is my right. Oh, you're fighting for somebody else? Yeah. But deep down, there's a reason why that's connected somehow to you. Somehow to you. Because when you're demanding rights, it's very different or when you're worrying about your obligations. They're two very, very different assets. We spoke about this concept before. Very, very important aspect, especially when you deal with relationships. When you deal with a relationship, there's rights and there's obligation. So a husband will have, let's say, the obligation to treat his wife respectfully, and the wife will have the obligation to treat her husband respectfully. But if the husband says, I, my right is that you should treat me respectfully, and she goes and says, it's my right that you treat me respectfully, it's a very different relationship than when you're focusing on what you need to do for me versus what I need to do for you. So when the generation is only focused on rights, then they're not focused on obligations. Well, my right, your right, what, 
You do what you need to do. Worry about the other person? Never. Let them worry about themselves. Let them do what they need to do. So when we're looking at it, when we're looking at only focusing on our rights, that's self-centered. First of all, that's a terrible quality to have in a relationship. That's something that's going to crash and burn. But when you, when you understand that, and by the way, this is something very interesting, the Torah only focuses on obligation. Torah doesn't focus on the rights. Torah focuses on what you need to do. Stop worrying about somebody else. Oh, you infringed on somebody else? Okay, now it's your obligation to go and make amends for that. You have to go and ask Michilah for that. Not the other person has to come to you and say, hey, I forgive you. You have to go and... The, the Torah is very, very much focused on the, ob, your obligations, not on your rights. If everybody does their obligations, everybody gets their rights as well. So when people, um, whatever party you want to call them, go and they focus only on the rights and the rights and the rights, they're like, wait a second on the rights. Are you going and are you doing your obligations? That's what you need to do. Because if you're not, then all you are is a self-centered. It's just a different form of arrogance. Now, what is the greatest arrogance that you can have? The greatest chutzpah. The highest level of chutzpah is denying God. Atheist. Highest level of audacity, shamelessness, boldness, audaciousness, everythingness, just the worst of everythingness. Is what? Is somebody that could go and say that there's no such thing as a God. Why? And I say this again and again, people, you know, like, it's so simple. And it's so obvious, at least to me. If you're denying something, that means you know everything. Because if you say that this doesn't exist, there's no such thing as a pink flying cat. I don't know why I was this example. I like it. Just go with it. There's a pink flying cat. And I tell you, I went to Zimbabwe. I didn't, but imagine I did. I went to Zimbabwe and I saw a pink flying cat. And you say, impossible, the thing doesn't exist. I'm like, do you know all the species of cats? How do you know that it doesn't exist? Are you a catologist? I don't know, a zoologist? Whatever. Are you a specialist in cats? How do you know? If you were to say that this doesn't exist, that means you know all the species of cats and birds and the combinations of them in between, what exists and what doesn't. Oh, once you know everything that exists on planet Earth, then fine, then you could say, yeah, it doesn't exist. But if you don't know that it doesn't exist, then maybe there is a pink flying cat. Maybe there is. How do you know? So if you want to say that God doesn't exist, that means that you know everything that exists. Because in order to say that something doesn't exist, you have to know everything that does exist. So if you're an atheist, that means you know everything. If you're a, you don't think you know everything, then you're arrogant. If you're arrogant, that's a level of chutzpah that goes above and beyond generation. Dolsha ben David ba. This is not only chutzpah, this is talking about an arrogant level that we have, it is unprecedented. How dare you say, you want to be agnostic? Fine. What is agnostic? You're not sure. There might be a God, there might not be a God. You want to be an atheist? audacity, shamelessness, chutzpah that you had, the arrogance that you had to say that this doesn't exist. How do you know? It's easy to say, yeah, it does exist. Maybe. I don't know. To say that it doesn't exist, I've, I've had debates with people where, you know, when people sometimes come to me and they have, you know, they're prepared to all their questions, they usually do their homework. So they listen to a few of my classes. And uh, that's how they do homework on me. And uh, they go, and, and, and I've had this happen again and again, where they'll say, like, listen, I'm not an atheist, I'm an agnostic. So this is why I listened to your classes, you had a good point. I'm like, oh, Baruch Hashem, so we get somewhere over here. At least we get, got you from an atheist agnostic. But the second that they leave the conversation with me, they're going to talk to their friends, all of a sudden they're back to an atheist over here. Where's the truth? The truth will be decreased, the truth will go there. And even them, they're just telling you because they know they can't argue with you. When they know they don't have a good argument, so then they say, okay, fine, I agree with you. But the second that they go somewhere else, they go back to their false argument. But you know it's false. You know that you don't believe in that. And I've seen this with my own eyes, and I've heard it with my own ears, that the same person that told me that he's not an atheist, goes and tells somebody else that he is an atheist. 
But like, what are you changing? Where is the truth? Where is the truth? There's a generation where it's all superficiality. It's all about what... I, even, I can't even... I don't even know what. It's impressing somebody. Nobody's impressed when you say you're an atheist. I mean, at least... I, I mean, from my understanding, someone says an atheist, I think, okay, ignorance. You know? Mental disability. What can we do? You know, we should pray for you. We'll flush them out. You know, for the nefesh, for the ghoul, for everything. Unfortunately, your mental capacity cannot understand some, some basic concepts on the, uh, you know, on things. Because if you think about it, it's a very simple calculation. In order to say something doesn't exist, you have to know everything that does exist. You know that everything exists? No, it's impossible. So then how can you tell you that God doesn't exist? It's, it's kind of more, I wouldn't say it's like more from like a logical view, but, but like more from like... Emotion? Emotional. Of course it's emotional. Because like, if you say there is like a God, you have, you have to like... Of course. Like I've yet to... Inner work and then like i've yet to meet an atheist that wasn't emotional and they all say oh well, let's go for logic we're just trying to prove logic to everybody be like you're not logical like why are you saying things that are you're not about yourself like yeah i'm like let's please well hold hands and we'll do logical stuff let's start with understanding that you cannot say something that doesn't exist if you don't know everything that does exist like that's logical where where do you come from where do you go there's nowhere. It makes no sense. It literally makes no sense. I don't understand. For the life of me, I can't understand it. You have sophisticated college professors standing over there and I'm an atheist. I'm like, how? Please explain to me how. It's an emotional. You're an emotional atheist. You're not an intellectual atheist. You're not a logical atheist. And when I was speaking to one particular um, atheistic Jew, call him a make-believe fictional character of atheist because I, I I don't believe that that terminology is correct but um, and I asked this question and I said to him I said um, your parents are religious like yeah your grandparents are religious yeah let me ask you a question do you think you know more, more Torah than your grandfather or you which who do you think knows more Torah and he says for sure my grandfather like what about your father who knows more Torah you or your father so it's not my father. Your great-grandfather, who knows more Torah? You or your father? Like, my, my great-great-grandfather. Yeah, they, they, would know, they would know more than me. So I'm like, let me get this straight. So you have your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your great-great-grandfather. And we could go on for generations. Until Moshe Rabbeinu, until Adam HaRishon. All know more Torah than you. You agree with that, right? Be like, yeah, you know, most likely. But yet, somehow you know more than them because you say that the Torah is not real. That there's no such thing as a God. So explain to me that logic. How is the logic it, that you know less than them, but yet you claim something that they know more of, and you're saying that that's wrong? Does that make sense to you? Does that make any, any sense at all? It's like going to a gastroenterologist, someone who specializes in the stomach. And uh, the gastroenterologist goes and says, this person has a diagnosis of X, Y, and Z. And you go and you say, nah. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, this, you just ate something bad and don't worry about it. Be like, wait a minute, did you spend 10 years learning about the stomach? Like, what do you know about it? Be like, well, I checked WebMD and uh, told me, uh, yeah, it's just a stomach virus. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I'm like, you're insane. You have a physical mental deficit going on in you. Like, you're going and you're arguing with a specialist in the field based on something you read off while you were on the toilet? That's what, you're, that's what you're basing your knowledge from? And that's really what we're dealing with atheists. You have the greatest rabbis who spent their entire life learning Torah and they say this is real. And then you maybe opened up a book once. And I guarantee you, most people, these people, the atheists, did not open up books. I had a, 
and an argument. I tend to speak to a lot of atheists, unfortunately. Um, and um, they say, I went to yeshiva. I said, that doesn't mean anything. I know many people that went to, you physically went to yeshiva, not mentally. You were, you know, you were in the never, never, never land. You're like, what do you mean you went to yeshiva? I'm like, and I had, I told this guy, he says, I know you, we talked, we talked about it. It says, all your information on Judaism doesn't come from Torah sources. It comes from Christian sources. I'm like, I know it because I research it because I gave classes about it. I don't know where your question, it's something very interesting. Well, you have all these atheists, they come to you with these questions. I'm like, these are not original questions. You got it from this website, this you got from that website, this you took from this atheist, and this one you took from this, you know, speaker over that's an atheist. You didn't do any original thought yourself. You listened to some guy on YouTube or some TED speech or whatever it is that you wasted your time with, and you heard some guy walking around and saying, Hey, God doesn't exist because of, because of X, Y, and Z. Noah's flood. How, how could it be the ark? Be like, aha, perfect thing. You'll come and be like, aha, how can you prove this? And be like, am I answering you? Am I answering the other guy who really originated this question? Which is really comes from a Christian source because that's how they're understanding. Most of these people that are atheists in the, in the non-Jewish world, not most, I'm talking about 99% of them, are, are basing off the, their atheism based off of Christian's uh, you know, ideology of what the Old Testament is, what the New Testament is. So it's even a full pretense even to begin to discuss that. But you have that, and you're, you're, even your understanding of the Torah is faulty. So not only that, I told this guy, it's the same person, so not only do you not understand the Torah, not only do you have a faulty understanding of the Torah, and not only do you have less of understanding than your fathers and your grandfathers and your great-grandfathers, and yet you think that you know better than all of them? There's somebody I'd like you to meet. He has a white lab coat, a little name tag. Very nice people, you know. They'll just run some tests, you know. I would think it'll be beneficial for you. Does it make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? These are things that are obvious. I'm not speaking something, I'm not proving something out of the blue. This, I'm talking straight up logic. So I'm talking, you want to argue with me? Go ahead, you know. Let's duel. I'll take you on. Well, like, I'll do it. You know, like, there's no logic behind it. Yet you still have it. This is where Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Hava goes and says the greatest cause for heresy in the so-called modern revelations is the natural sciences. We think we know. <laughs> science tells us. Look what science tells us. Even though something is very interesting. Every time science tells you something, it's very likely that science will slowly and soon change about it. Cell phones, good for you or bad for you? Bad for you. We'll see what happens you know, in, in, uh, in a short while. Cigarettes, good or bad for you? Bad for you. What about when it first came out? Very good. Lose weight. Metabolism goes increases. Ah, but science told us. Ah, we know historically speaking. You look at science. Uh, Flip flop. Bipolar. Ah, first this and the da 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 da. First, uh, first no. First yes and this. You'd be like, forget about it. I want to listen to you anymore. Make up your mind. No. Well, we believe it. Why do we believe it? Arrogance. Be like, no, we decide what we want to believe in. We have the arrogance, the level of chutzpah is a different level of where it originally started off. First we say level of chutzpah, then we say talking about, no, no, no. This is a level of arrogance. When you're dealing with atheists, that's not, there's no, it's arrogance. It's pure up arrogance. We know that the three signs that knows, that, that you can tell someone comes from the Jewish nation, the Gemara Yivamot, page 79a, that says that, what is a Jew? Rachmanim Baishanim Ugmolei Chasadim. Somebody who, Rachmanim, is somebody who is merciful. Baishanim, someone who is bashful. And Ugmolei Chasadim, somebody that goes and does kindness. Arrogance knocks all those out. All those go out. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, page 97a, says that the honor will dwindle, will go down when the time of Mashiach comes. Children 
you know, when, when people go and respect people that shouldn't be respected and disrespect people that should be respected, the children see this. When the children see this and be like, you're respecting them, so why should I respect you? Now, this is all subconsciously. You don't have a little child pulling grabs on be like, well, if you're respecting this. But like, there are the things that the children pick up. And what, is, what does this lead to? This leads to the Gemara Sotab, which page 49b says that in Iqlis of the Mashiach, in the time before Mashiach comes, the youth will embarrass the elders. And not only they will embarrass the elders, the elders will stand up before the youth. Imagine the chutzpah is the, the, the little kid will go and embarrass the, the, the older people and the older people will stand up in front of the, in front of the younger people. The, one explanation that I was thinking about this is that you have, let's say, a lot of companies nowadays, especially in the tech industry, the high tech industry, the tech startups are young kids. Right? You have young kids, they're listening to the music, they're drinking champagne and they're you know, 74 hours a day you know, on the thing. And then they, have, they build businesses and sometimes they're very successful. So they hire older the older generation to go, people will have, you know, marketing experience, people that have business, business administration experience, they hire the, you know, and who are they? They could be their grandparents or their parents. But yet, you have a little kid, right, 21, 22 years old, hiring now a 50-year-old, a, you know, 60-year-old, you, just because he works for you doesn't mean that you don't have to treat him with respect or her with respect. They're, that's, you know, that's chutzpah. What do you mean? Who do you work? Be like, no, he works for me. They're like, hey, buddy, do this and do this. Speak. You could do it. Obviously, you're paying them. You have to do their work, but you have to speak respectfully. Where is the respect? There is no respect nowadays. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky one time was on a plane, and he was sitting next to one of the like original Zionistic Jews who built you know, Israel in a very type of a... Uh, uh, of, he wasn't flying with Herzl, but I'm saying he was building with you know, that type of mentality. And um, the Zionists saw how the rabbi's son was like, you know, he was, he was, they were flying, and the rabbi's son kept on coming, be like, you know, father, can I do anything for you? Do you need this? Do you need that? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? This, every, you know, like, no, okay, fine. A half hour later, father, can I do anything for you? Da, 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 da. So the Zionist was like, unbelievable. He says, that is, you know, I'm really, you know, I, no words. So amazing how your son is so respectful to you. He says, you know, you know, when we started, you know, the Israel, and we went, to, you know, the Zionist, the concept of Israel, we were able, we were successful in establishing a state. But one thing we were is we were not, you know, successful in establishing respect for the elders. Now, you know, the generation does not respect the elders. And by the way, this is not just this generation. We're talking about a previous or two generations ago. And, and he says, I see your son. Look how respectful he is to you. It mind boggles me. So you know what Rabbi Kamenetsky told him? Rabbi Kamenetsky told him, says, very simple. He says, because we teach our children that we come from Adam Rishon, and God created Adam Rishon. And the older the person is, is that the closer that person is to the first human being. And that's more respectful, they have to do that. So the older generation is respected more than the younger generation, because they're closer to the, you know, to, the, to the original. But you're teaching the other way, you're teaching that we came from apes and monkeys and donkeys and who knows what and you're coming and you're saying that every generation afterwards is more advanced he says why should they respect you you're telling them not to respect you you're one step closer to a monkey they're one step further from a monkey he says of course they're going to you know they're going to respect they're going to disrespect you so when we're looking at it, we see the, the disrespect that happens nowadays. I don't even have to, you know, begin of it. The, the Gemara Sotah says that the, the son is not going to be embarrassed by his father no children now it used to be that fathers or mothers will go and um, they will discipline the children. They will go and they will threaten the children. I will take away your toy. Now the children threaten the parents. I will call Child Protective Services. I have my number and speed dial, my new cell phone that you gave me. Unless, let's call it Xmas, right? Because it's not Jews, obviously. Because Jews, obviously, it's Jews with respect. Ah! 
Ah, that's when I'm going. I'm gonna. You're gonna. You're gonna. You're gonna throw my toy away. I'm gonna go and hit myself and tell them that you hit me. He's like, oh, you think this doesn't happen? This happens. You know. So when we're, the the children, instead of the parents disciplining the children, the children discipline the parents. The cho- instead of the par- the children standing up for when the parent comes in, then now the parent has to stand up and be like, is it okay? I, you know, I, where did you get that bruise from? It wasn't me. I didn't touch you. I didn't do this. Instead, the, the parents have to jump around the children, and the children now have to go and, and they're getting the respect they have. It. It's a backwards world that we're going on. This is exactly what the Gemara is telling us. This is exactly what the sages are telling us. Now, when you have no honor, when you have an increase in chutzpah, when you have this level, then what do you think there's going to be any rebuke? Of course there's not going to be a rebuke. Who's going to rebuke? Page 49b says that during the time of the Iqbis of the Mashiach, there's not going to be any rebuke. Who are you to rebuke me? Who do you think you are? Really? You did this wrong and you did that wrong? How could it be? If somebody's now going and not looking for the truth, they're not, they're not interested in hearing, telling them to say, hey, no, don't do this. I've had conversations with people where even in the dating world, that sometimes I tell, you know, I get, I get two different responses. Somebody comes over to me with, let's say, a certain dating issue, or whatever, any issue. And if I see there's a problem with them, I tell them, you're the problem, go seek help. It's not the other person, it's you who's the problem. So I see very, very conflicting results. Sometimes I'd be like, okay, thank you, and I'll go for that. And some people, never contact me again. Both I'm grateful for. Um, the, um, because the people that contact me again, obviously they're interested in growing. The people that are not, okay, fine, you want to do it. They're not seeking truth. There's sometimes people call and ask advice. They're seeking validation. Not direction. Not what I should do, but validate me. I'm like, listen, this is not instant validation. You can't put a quarter and I'll validate you. You want my advice? I'll be, my, I'll be very brutally honest. And I am, as people know me, you know, people here that talk to me know that I am brutally honest. And if I, there's an issue, I will say it. And if there's not an issue, then fine. There's, there's nothing to do, you know, to speak about it. But who can accept that? Somebody who's looking for the truth. Somebody who's not looking for the truth has no interest in it. They're not going to hear rebuke. They're going to be disrespectful. They're going to be chutzpah. They're going to go and they're not going to honor the sages. Everything is going to go based on it. So again, this is also another fundamental aspect. You have to be looking for the truth. You have to be searching in the truth. Let's go and let's close this loop of what we just said in the last in the, in the chutzpah part. So um, we started off saying like this. We started off that the Gemara Sotah says that the chutzpah is going to increase. What does that mean that's going to increase? The Gemara Sotah, what we just said, the youth is going to embarrass the elders. And not only that, the youth, also the Gemara Sotah says that it are going to go and that even the sons are not going to be embarrassed by the fathers. It can be such a level of arrogance, but it's going to go even further. The Gemara on Sanhedri, page 97, says, Dol that Mashiach is coming. Dol ben David ba, the arrogance is going to increase. Not chutzpah, arrogance. It's going to go. The, the, you're talking about the, the arrogance is going to increase. When you have arrogance, it's going to increase. Like, of course, the Gemara on says it's not going to be a rebuke in the time when Mashiach comes. Who's going to rebuke? You're going to be, what's going to happen if you have an increase of arrogance, increase of chutzpah? There's not going to be any rebuke. When, so there's no rebuke, there's no hope. What's going to happen if there's no hope? Game over. That's what the final, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, page 98, say. It says, Ein ben David ba. This is a different terminology. We said, Dol ben. This is Ein ben The Mashiach is not coming until, until the arrogant will cease to exist. That's what's going to happen. It's going to cease to exist. So the question is, how do you want to fall into that equation? 
there's two ways to cease to exist the arrogance. One is you cease to exist if you're arrogant, or the arrogance will cease to exist. But one thing is sure going to happen before Mashiach comes is the arrogance is going to cease to exist. So you want you can decide how you want to fall into which part of that equation. You want to fall into the equation where you and the arrogance will cease to exist very deep down, or the arrogance will just go deep down and you will continue to exist. That's where that's where that, you know that's what the sages are telling us. The sages are telling us there's something very very important up here. And when we're looking at these and these concepts, when we're looking at these uh, you know ideas, when you're seeing what the Chachamim are telling us. There's something very interesting. And whoever wants to could go and look it inside the, you know, what the Gemara says in the Gemara, so top of the Gemara, and it being very, very interesting. It starts off on a more of a lighter. Chutzpah, maybe, you know, like a little bit of a disgust towards Tamidei Chachamim or the Torah scholars or the Torah wisdom. But then it goes a lot worse. It goes from disgust to craziness. This is unbelievable. I can't understand it. It goes from, a, you know, from a level from a low level to a high level. The closer that we are to Mashiach, the slow, the, the more obvious that we see things. Now, instead of thinking of chutzpah, we see all of a sudden arrogance. Now, what is the whole purpose of me going through all this entire spiel, even though we spoke about many things, is that we get to see, are we in the heels of Mashiach? Are we in the generation of Mashiach? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, are we in the heels of the Mashiach? Or are we in the generation of Mashiach? Generation of Mashiach means that it's happening in our lifetime. Heels of Mashiach means it's coming close to it. The things that we have been saying, the things that we have been discussing, is no longer heels. That's generation. These are things, and it's very obvious. We already went on and on about the atheists and the arrogance. It's not, this is not a chutzpah on a regular level. It's on a higher level. So when we're discussing the, the, the prophecies of what the sages told us is going to happen, we have to figure out where do we put ourselves in which category. Are we on the heels or are we on the generation? If we're in the generation, oh... We better shape up. What's the word? If you're not shaping up, you're shaping out. You better figure it out. Because that's what's happening in our generation. It's, it's, it's so obvious. People ask me, when's Mashiach coming? What do I answer? Soon. But when? Like five years, ten years, twenty years? I've had this question asked me quite, quite a few times. Are you investing? I'd be like, yeah, I'd be like, uh. Retirement? <laughs> that's why I tell people who think they're Mashiach. I tell them, you do chuba. But uh, um, and now that we started so speaking about this, we should realize the stage of we're in. We should not be embracing and be like, "Ah, oh, chutzpah, bring it on." We should go and fight against the chutzpah. Meaning but if that we're fighting against it, then it's going to be, isn't it? No, no, no. So when we're fighting against it, it doesn't mean that every single person over here is going to be an atheist, going to be a chutzpah, a chutzpah right. the, you know. The, it means that these are the things that we. Why did the sages tell us this? Not only because the, number one, we realize when at the end of days, but more importantly, is we realize what we need to work on in the end of days. So the chutzpah, you can work on for your positive. What's a positive way of working on the, on the chutzpah? Back then, we used to be unfortunately embarrassed to be a Jew. Now we can be proud to be a Jew. You're walking, you walk with a kippah, you walk modestly. You're going and you're praying, you stand up and you pray. You go and you have to go and put on tefillin publicly, you put on tefillin. This is what you need to do. Stop worrying about what other people are going to think. Exactly. They take out their magic carpet and they do whatever they need to do with it. You take out your magic straps and you do whatever you need to do with it. So, the concept here is... I know, I know we, we went on a little bit of a journey and a little bit difficult, and I know some people may have to listen to this again, may have to review this, but it's something very, very important that you do need to consider this, that when you're learning, and, and I was going and going back and forth between the two Gemara, back and forth, back and forth, again and again, I'm like, there's got to be something over here. The Gemara doesn't just repeat itself for fun. There's something that's going on over here. And the more that I delved into it, the more obvious that this appeared to me. 
Right, according to my own humble opinion, this is the way that I see it. You have it over here, first the Gemara Sotah speaks about something in a very, very, uh, you know, starter type of way. But the Gemara Sanhedrin, ooh, that's a generation of Mashiach is coming. That is coming close. And when we look at it, we see where we're standing. We are standing, I'll tell you from my own personal, you know, learning and research and, and studying this, we're in the generation. We're not, we're no longer in the heels. We're now, this is it. This is the end of days. When is it going to happen? Only God knows. Tonight. Tomorrow, Bezat Hashem. We hope that it comes very soon, right? We'll speak about when it could come, when it come, come. Right? But, uh, um, Bezat Hashem, maybe we utilize this to understanding the true words of the sages and fixing ourselves what we do need to fix on. And then we are able to come to the time when we greet Mashiach. Amen. Question. We had a few questions. We'll go this way. You had a question? The Tamid Chami are going to be decreased. So, so you'll always have leaders, and you'll always have, for example, even Mashiach. You'll always have Mashiach. But there's going to be the level, either we want to call it a quantity or quality, are going to be decreased. We see, unfortunately, both nowadays. We have great, great Torah sages. But as we know, every generation that goes away from Mahal Sinai, from Moshe Rabbeinu, is decreasing and decreasing. But we still, we'll always have leaders and we'll always have that. You have to just, if you have to make sure that you're following the correct leader. You're following the Gedolei Adol, you're following Rav Chaim Kanievsky, you have nothing to worry about. But there's some people that tend to follow people that maybe don't uh, subscribe to that type of Torah. And that's where it's a problem. Again, it's a lot of, uh, you know, liberal, open orthodoxy, conservative, reform, reconstructionist. We could go through a lot of other nouns and verbs and whatnot. But, you know, there are you have to you have to really know who you're following, and you're following the true Torah, and not just some you know Erevrav version of it. Now again, I want to be very careful. Don't start assuming this rabbi is Erevrav. This rabbi, we don't know, and stop pointing and saying things. Unfortunately, people do that. This is Erevrav. Stop it. You know, we don't know who is Erevrav. We don't know who is Amalek. What we have to do is follow the true Torah sages, and that we have to stick to that. That's what we have to stick to. Yeah. You said that you already gave a whole speech about who the Erevrav is, but could you just what the Erev says, I think it's Mashiach part 6, if I'm not mistaken, um, that I gave it. Um, the Erev Rav is, um, there are going to be different reincarnations from previous, like from the time of Egypt, and from the time of, let's say, the, 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 the Erev Rav, which were, were originally the Erev Rav, which is where the Egyptians who converted into Judaism, but in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, but they made the Egel, they had a very, very deficient uh, um, um, concept of what is the correct Judaism and they're only interested in the materialistic things and they abuse their power and their source for it. So those are the people that we see over there and, the, and I gave uh, you know different categories of what different categories of the Arab Rav are of depending, some people, some of them are only uh, interested in honor and power some are interested in focus on money, some are a combination there's different, you know there yeah. Depends. I don't know everybody. We don't call out any rabbis. We don't, we don't. go right. Um, at least I don't. Um, right. So, but yes, it is possible. I don't know everybody, and I don't. I and I purposely stay away from politics in these in this area because people ask me, "What do you think about this?" And sometimes I say, "Righteous, righteous, righteous," and sometimes I say, "I don't know." And that's not that's not a hint. I'd be like, "Okay, don't you know, stay away." No, sometimes I I, I stay away. 
You know, there's some things that you stay away from because, well, what's the point? There's nothing that you gain from these. What do you have to worry about? You have to worry about you're following the leaders of the generation. So if you're in Brooklyn, you're following the, the Brooklyn head of the rabbis. You're following, you know, rabbis, for example, Aurelia Brudny, right? One of the leaders of the generation, Rabbi Reisman. You, have, you follow the leaders of, of the community. And then you go, you go, let's say, uh, you know, what's, you know, you go, then you go to the Gdole of the, of the Gdole, which is the highest, you know, you're talking about Chaim Kanievsky. You have, you, so there's levels of rabbis of where you go and where you, and where you, you know, you lead to. And then there are some people that uh, tend to stem to like, you know, this person has a beard, so uh, let me just listen to whatever he says. And he says, you know, here's some marijuana and the price is this. Um, I mean, did I say rabbi? I meant dealer. What, what did I say? Oh, no, I meant, or both. Whatever it is. You know, so you have different things, uh, you know, like where people go and they tend to blur the line of depending of where, you know, they call them shopping around for socks and shopping around for what they want to hear and what they want to say. So again, there's a lot to speak about it, but I, in two different places, one an online Torah thing and one a, in a Jewish college, I had I heard speakers and they started saying the beauty of Christianity and things that we only get out of the class. Yeah, no, they were like everybody was just listening and the teacher was going on and on about how it's so beautiful. So I had to like switch classes. But like Arab could be like you would think it's a Torah website like. You have to be very careful. Yeah, I'm not saying they're right. It doesn't necessarily mean just let's say somebody says something wrong. Doesn't mean that they're Arab. They might just be wrong. No, but like it was very strange concepts. Right, right. Right. It is. But you should also realize that there are some postcom of the older generation that said that the the purpose of Christianity was to open the door for Mashiach. Because yeah. then when Mashiach comes, so not that not that Christianity is a beautiful thing, it's wrong, it's a Vodazara according to the majority of the postkin. But if you want to say where the benefit comes in, and again, there's always good in everything, that uh, even, you know, Islam, Islam, they're serving one God, uh, but they murder people. Again, it's a small percentage, but whatever, you know. And they do pray, whatever it is. But I'm saying, like, there is a lot. So what happens is, is that a lot of times we tend to judge based on the knowledge that we have. And there's a lot to go into different things. So if you had an issue... Specifically, I would say to go and, and you know ask somebody about that issue, what the person says. Now, again, that sounds very off as well. Right. So then, run away very fast. Yeah. But put it this way. Right. If you're going and yeah, somebody's telling you that, let's say. Um, Christianity is beautiful, it's amazing, and blah, 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 you should stay away. If someone's telling you that uh, homosexuality is amazing and beautiful and blah, 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 stay away. There are certain things that you stay away from because the Torah says to stay away from it. But let's leave it at that. How to judge them is also, you have to be very careful on how to judge people. Any other questions? No? Okay. Understood? Was this clear? Yeah. The class? Yeah? Let's see how to read people. Oh, yeah, it's actually pretty impressive. I'm actually surprised that people understood it. It's a little bit. It's a little bit on the on the um, on the heavy side, but I, I think that's very very important. Because next week I want to go on a similar a similar thing, but we're going to go branch on to different uh, different uh, different ideas, also to show how really close we are to when Mashiach comes. Okay, You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.